slip your hands to heaven. Lord, that's what every person in this room needs. Said everything that we struggle with, everything that every bad habit, every addictive behavior, that you would break that thing off of us in Jesus' name. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that would dwell in us and that you would quicken us today. So we say welcome this morning, Lord. I just want you to say that prayer. Say, Lord, I welcome you. Welcome your presence in my life. And I, I just pray as we open the Bible together, my heart will be eager and open to receive what God would say to me. And the Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd be welcome here and touch every life. In Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they are looking good today. Well, turn your Bibles this morning, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, Acts 9. We have been doing a series the last uh, few weeks called Voices. And I don't mean psychotic voices or weirdness, but I mean impressions. I mean who is speaking to you, the influences that are in your life. We talked about Noah, you may remember, a biblical voice. And Noah's voice warned us in the day in which we live about the second coming of Christ and how to live. We talked several weeks about the voice of evil. How many know there's a right voice and a wrong voice? And how many know Satan has a voice? He can lie to us, accuse us. Uh, he can cause us to be offended. The last time we gathered, I talked to you about the friends, the relationships, the people that influence you, the radio you, the, uh, talk shows that you listen to, the Internet that you read, because we need to have the right people influencing us, and right people are identified as those that have a biblical worldview, those that have biblical character, those that have biblical priorities and those that have biblical love or they truly care about me. But this morning, I want to talk about the most important voice. The most important voice you'll ever hear, and it is the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is the voice of God, the voice of the Lord, that somehow God is co a communicating God. He speaks to us. And I don't mean in audible voices, though some have heard the audible voice of God, but I'll share with you this morning six or seven things about how the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And I want to start it with a testimony, a video testimony of a man that was a former Muslim, set out to do everything in his power to advance the Muslim religion, had had encounters with Christians who loved him and cared about him. And then as he was in the place of prayer, you listen to what he says. He said, I heard the voice of God, and it changed my life. Take a peek at this, and then we'll be in Acts chapter 9 together. So I walk inside, I shut the door, I go right in the eastern window and I fall on my knees and I put my hands to the heavens and I cry up to my God, Allah, Allah my Lord and my King, why did you put me among Christians? I'm confused. These Christians and Jews, they are, they're good people. There's nothing wrong with them. They don't want to kill us. They're not the same thing that I learned about them. Allah. These people have relationship with their God. These people, they cry out to the God and they answer them. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you love me. If you're real, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Guess what Allah said that day? Absolutely nothing. Kamal felt that because he questioned his faith, the honorable thing to do was to end his own life. So I went to reach out my guns and put it in the right place and clock out. I heard the voice. The voice knew me by name. He said, come on, come on, come on. Why don't you call on God of Father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? And now I fell on my knees and I put my hands to the heavens immediately as I heard the voice and I cried out with every fiber within me. God of Father Abraham, if you are real, would you speak to me? God of Father Abraham, 
If you are real, I want to know you. Well, God of Father Abraham came to a room, and he filled the room with his glory. And his name was Yahweh. The Lord is one. In his hand, he has holes in his hand. He has holes in his feet. His name is Jesus. I said to him, who are you, my Lord? Who are you? He said, I am that I am. I said, I'm a simple man with a simple mind. What is that supposed to mean? He said, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am everything that is in between. I have known you before I formed the foundation of the earth. I have loved you before I formed you in your mother world. Rise up. Rise up, come on. Kum. You are my warrior. You are not their warrior. And I said to him, I said, my Lord, my Lord, I will live and die for you. He said, do not die for me. I died for you that you may live. He is real. You know, and if you never experienced God before in your life, if you never tasted God, and if you think you got nothing to lose, when, when you're sitting in your home, whether you're a Muslim or, or a non-Muslim or a non-Christian or whatever you are, say, call on God of Father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and say, if you are real, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord, huh? Amen. Well, when he talked about seeing Jesus' hands, he had a vision. He had a vision. He heard a voice. I don't know if it was audible. Most likely it was a voice in his heart. But why should we think that to be abnormal? After all, Acts chapter 9, it happened to the greatest apostle that ever lived. When he was away from Christ, his name was Saul. God appeared to him as he was riding on a horse to persecute Christians. This voice called to him, and he was blinded. He fell from his horse. In verse 4, he fell to the ground. And I want you to say it with me. He Heard a voice. See, when I do this, that means I want you to say with me. <laughs> he heard a voice, and that voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Well, I'm going to suggest to you that what Paul described in this passage, what he experienced, what we heard on testimony, should be normal for the Christian life. That God communicates with us, that we hear God speaking to us, that we know that God is real. It's not mystical, it's not spooky, it's not weird. Though I can say I've been around some weird people that talk, said that God was talking to them. But I'm not talking about the weird part. I'm talking about what the Bible teaches us about a vital, real, pure relationship with God, where God is a communicating God and how He does that to us. Jesus told us this would happen, John 10, 27, because Jesus said, My sheep, hear my Jesus said, us, his sheep, his followers, hear his voice. Jesus said, I know them, and they follow me. So let's explore in the Bible this morning, and I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture. Uh, the notes are already online. If you happen to have an iPad, you could download them, or you can visit again this week. But I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture, and we'll look at six or seven different ways that in the Bible God communicated with people, or we use the word God speaks. And I've entitled the message, The Spirit's Voice. Let's go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. Let me give you a little context. Acts chapter 8, we're talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Now, in my tradition growing up, uh, I, if you would have told this to me, I would have looked at you like you were absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm grateful for my heritage that I was raised in, but we, we were not taught and we didn't explore the fact that I could have a vital relationship with God today and, and God could be involved in my daily life. Now, I can remember singing the song as a boy, I come to the garden of, uh, alone while the dew is still on the roses. And what does he do? He walks with me and he talks with me. 
So we sang the song that warmed our heart, but yet we didn't have the experience that resonated that truth. Well, Acts chapter 8, the context is uh, the church has been born in Jerusalem. It grows to thousands of people. It multiplies. And then they reach a place to where the Jews begin to persecute them and the Christians flee. One Christian went to Samaria with the gospel, and that's what's called the Samaritan Revival. His name is Philip. You read that story. Miracles are happening, lots of great things. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the revival, God redirects him. Now, he starts out and he says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Angels are real, but somehow this angel communicated. He said, go towards the south. Uh, go, go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. In other words, I want you to leave the church, go down Highway 59 going towards Atlanta. Well, the Bible says, verse 27, he arose and went, which is very key because how I many of God wants to speak to us? It's not to entertain us or even inform us. It's typically for us to do something. It's to engage us. It's to direct us. Well, he went, verse 27, and there was a court official. Uh, of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians from northern Africa. She had sent her, her treasurer, as it were, had gone up to Jerusalem to worship. He was a God-fearer. He was someone that was not Jewish, but he was embracing the, the God of the Jewish people. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship, and now he's returning home, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. So I want you to imagine, if you will, that uh, someone lives in Houston, and uh, they're in Houston, and they're driving, and uh, they're just really tired. They see that this next larger town is Texarkana. They get off on Highway uh, 67. There's a McDonald's, and they pull into the McDonald's there. And uh, a Gideon had left a Bible in the McDonald's, and uh, they just happen to sit at the booth, and he just opens it up, and he's reading. Very similar passage. Now, look at verse 29. I want you to read this first part with me. And the Spirit, Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, he didn't know the guy. This guy, he'd been directed to go, for, as I said, down Highway 71. He's sitting in McDonald's, and then the Holy Spirit tells him to go to McDonald's and go sit by a guy he doesn't even know. Now, this is what's happening. Verse 30, again, Philip obeys. He runs to him, and he heard him reading, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And think of the odds of this. He said, How can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come and sit with him in the chariot, and the passage he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he's talking about Jesus. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Christ on the cross. And the eunuch said to Philip, well, who's he talking about? Uh, who did the prophet say this about? And Philip opens his mouth and begins with this scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, is that not incredible? That's a model of the Spirit-led life. And I'll suggest to you that same Holy Spirit that lived in Philip lives in us. And that same Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us, not in weird, spooky, mystical ways, but if we as followers of Jesus know His voice as His sheep, that somehow God is able to lead us and to guide us as we're serving Him. It's a model of the Christian life. Philip is serving the Lord, and the Holy Spirit's telling him what to do. And I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Well, can I tell you this? The same Holy Spirit lives inside you. The same all-knowing, omniscient God that's concerned about people today would like to use us in our circle of influence with people we know and even strangers. Now, Jesus said this would happen. John 16, verse 13. My, Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, because mind you, it was the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit fully came to the church. When the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to guide you into all truth. And notice what it says. For He will not speak. Here's the voice. He's not going to speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, from the Son, he will speak. speak, 
and He's going to declare to you things that are to come. Now, that's a big, big deal. How many know if the Holy Spirit speaking, speaking, and declaring, doesn't that involve a voice in some fashion? And whether that speaks to us through the written Scripture, whether it speaks to us through a prophecy, a dream, uh, a vision, uh, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, work through us, so we can uh, build the kingdom of God. You're pretty quiet on me this morning. Okay, I'll keep reading the Bible, and you can do with it what you will. Acts chapter 2. Let's talk about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Now, Acts chapter 2, the context is the day of Pentecost. After Jesus' ascension, he said, Guys, I want you to hang around Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out on the city. And uh, then you're going to go out and you're going to receive power to witness. Because, he, because the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, was to give power to be his witnesses in the world. Well, in the upper room, you've got this gathering. Several dozen believers are in the upper room. They're praying and seeking God. And all of a sudden, suddenly something happens. The Holy Spirit visits that crowd of people. And if you read Acts chapter 2, you would see that it was, they described it as tongues of fire. I don't really know what that means, but uh, it's probably pretty cool. And probably a little better than these lights we've got going here. But anyway, each one of them had this God visitation. But then they do the strangest thing to the natural mind. I mean, no, to the mind of God, things that, that, that are not strange that we think strange. But they began to speak in languages they'd never learned. Now, you think, what happened to the Tower of Babel? The world had one language. In the Tower of Babel, God made people speak Japanese and French and, come on, uh, Creole, and every language was just birthed at the Tower of Babel. Well, now God is taking these multiple languages and bringing them back because what He's doing, these people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit are speaking in languages and other people understand it, and their words are glorifying God. This is totally supernatural. Their words are glorifying God, and now 3,000 people come to Christ. And then Peter, the voice of the church, stands up, and then Peter explains it. He says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. And notice what he said in the last days. Everybody say, last days. days. Here's what's going to happen. God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And these are all spiritual. In verse 19, he concludes by saying, I'm going to show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, in verse 20, before the day of the Lord comes. Now think about this. The last days that began at the ascension of Christ, and now he's talking about they're in the last days, but the last days will go all the way up to the point to where Jesus comes again. And in this time period, the scripture says God is going to speak to and through his people with prophecy, dreams, and visions. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. Prophecy simply is this. It means the Holy Spirit speaks to me about you so I can help you. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit shows something to me. Uh, if, you, if you notice the words that I'll often use in prayer, I may say, I was praying for the service today, and I felt uh, the same transformation that was going on on our stage that God wants to do in our lives in a bigger way. I was endeavoring to hear from the Holy Spirit and communicate something that would be of relevance to your life. Uh, this word prophecy uh, is, is not, it can be, but it's not always predictive. But prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14 says this. Now, chapters 12, 13, and 14 are some great chapters on the spiritual gifts. We may address that next week. But it talks about this gift of prophecy, and it begins by saying this. You should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. 
In other words, that all of us as believers, and then he'll go on to, to list nine different spiritual gifts, but we should all desire this ability to be a vehicle, whereas the Lord speaks to us to give something to someone to help them. It's not on par with the Bible. Uh, certainly, it must agree with the Bible, but we, endeavoring to hear the Holy Spirit, we minister and, and bless people. Now, um, 1 Corinthians 14 says that the purpose of prophecy, verse 3 says, is to strengthen other people to encourage people, and to comfort them. Well, how many can say, I often need to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted? Everybody in this room. Well, how much better if it comes through a believer, come on, not just trying to make you feel good, but God has somehow given them something to encourage you. How many have received a word like that at some point where somebody says, the Lord told you something, and it just rang true, and it just was changing in your life? That should be normal Christianity. Now, prophecy can also be predictive. There were people in the Bible that, that God showed the future events. Acts eleven twenty eight, a man named Agabus, he stands up. By the way, Philip had uh, several daughters who also prophesied. Girls, get in on this. Agabus stands up, and I want you to say this phrase with me. He predicted, predicted by the Spirit. Now stop right there. My, my weather app can't even predict what's going to happen tomorrow. I followed this little storm that was coming through, and the one day it was going to be a 90 or 100% chance of rain. It didn't rain. Come on. And then when it got 30%, then it rained. And they have all these scientific models and computer models and graphics and everything else, but, you know, it's kind of best guess sometimes. But, but when it's a true biblical prediction about the future, this is why if you're skeptical of the claims of Christianity, I would encourage you to get a book on Christian apologetics, a conservative view, and, and go back and study the prophecies that were given hundreds and even thousands of years before Christ was born and how in the life of Christ these prophecies were fulfilled. It's pretty incredible. But anyway, Agabus prophesies that there's going to be a famine, and lo and behold, it was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. Now, another way we read in this book of Acts about how God communicates is visions and dreams. Visions and dreams, I, I'd liken them to pictures or a movie God shows us that has a spiritual meaning. It, this, this involves the visual. It can involve the hearing as well. Uh, typically, a dream would happen at night when you're sleeping, unless you happen to be sleeping on the job, and I guess you could have a spiritual dream. It was the only joke I had today, and it just kind of... But dreams typically happen when you're sleeping and visions when you're awake. Now, let's look at another one. Acts chapter 9. You remember Saul now had been knocked off his horse. He's blinded by this light. He's heard about God and he's walking around. He, he's kind of, he's lost. Well, notice what happens, Acts 9 verse 10. There was a believer named Ananias. And what's it say? The Lord spoke to him in a vision. Hear the voice of God. It's not, listen, if you're here this morning and thinking this is weird or mystical, you've got some biases you need to drop. You've got some prejudices you need to drop. You've got some bad experiences you need to drop because all I'm doing this morning is reading Bible verses. It, I mean, either the book of Acts is a model of church life or it's not. You know, it, it's the way that Jesus, isn't it kind of, and I've heard people say, the cessationists believe, the dispensationalists, that after all the apostles died, all the supernatural died. Now, I'll suggest to you that perhaps they're arguing out of their own experience, and if their experience doesn't have these things. But how did Jesus start this enterprise called reaching people with the gospel? Well, he not only preached the truth, but he had signs and wonders. He sent, when miracles, he sent out the 12 apostles, they preached 
and people were healed and miracles happened. And then he sent out the 70 and the same thing happened. And then he said, wait till you, the Holy Spirit comes on you permanently, Acts 1-8, and then you're going to have this power in you for the purpose of being a witness. And the whole model of the early church life was they preached the truth, they lived a godly life, and the Holy Spirit moved through them with signs, wonders, and miracles. And part of that was supernatural communication. Why in the world would God be, take that model and build it that far and say, okay, they've got a book now. We don't need it anymore. I think it's a mistake. I would encourage you to open your thinking to the fact that this could be going on today because in Acts, we're certainly in the last days. Now, let's, let's keep reading. Ananias, the Lord said in a vision, and he said, yes, Lord. Again, his response to hearing the Lord. I mean, when God speaks, we need to act. You know, it's not just words that mean nothing. But the Lord spoke to him, yes, Lord. And the Lord said, go over to McDonald's. It's on Straight Street to the house of Judas. And just sit at one of the booths that are there. And when you get there, you ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Isn't that incredible? That God knew where Ananias was, how to talk to him. God knew where Saul was. When we talk about God being all-knowing, this is what we're talking about. He knew where Saul was, what he was doing, and he's sending somebody over there to change his life. Well, you go over there, uh, and verse 12 says this cool thing. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Now, that's a pretty, inc incredible, a pretty incredible passage. Uh, I don't believe that every dream is a dream from God, but some are. Uh, I have a few. Sp last year, I probably had two or three dreams that involved snakes in them. And uh, I mean, you don't have to be a super Christian to know that snakes represent evil. And I would find in my dreams sometimes waking up, calling the name of Jesus, sometimes just kicking. But I would always tell my wife and I'd always tell our staff and our elders and I'd say, there's some kind of extra in this spiritual warfare that's going on right now. We need to be attuned. We need to be aware to it. Now, this idea of visions, I've had one clear vision in my life. I know perhaps others, but I remember when I was probably 20, 21 years of age in the Navy. I was in Adak, Alaska, and uh, I was just, I was an evangelist. I was sharing my faith with as many people as I could. I was working in the galley, uh, temporary duty, and uh, I, I met a guy that was there, this tall, lanky guy. I can't remember his name, but I see his face before me. And uh, I was talking to him about Jesus, and, and he wanted to talk some more. So we went up to my room, and I'm endeavoring to lead him to Christ. And I said, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? And he said, well, I just, I just don't know. And I said, well, why don't you just get down and just start praying and talking to God, and we'll start there. Well, I kind of left him, went to the other part of my room, was praying for him, and I came back, and I saw this picture, this vision. And in this vision, I saw an angel that was standing beside him, what I assumed to be an angel. Remember when Jesus said he stands at the door and knocks? His angel that was in white. And then I saw him kneeling down, and there were these three demons. They were impish looking on him. And these angels were just standing still and calm. These imps were like pulling against him. And after a few minutes, after we quit praying, he stands up and he said, I'd like for you to pray with me. I'd like to receive Christ. Well, I think God showed me something in the spirit realm, what's happening, the warfare over men's souls. I can't say that's anything like that's happened again, but let I me mean, know you don't have to experience something if the Bible says it's true. We believe it's true first, and then we can experience it. But dreams and visions were a way God communicates. Let me give you a couple more. Uh, this next phrase, gifts of the Spirit, these are, again, words from God spoken through a believer to help other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. How many believe the Bible is the Word of God? Say amen. amen. Well, what's it say? A spiritual gift is given to those who go to Bible school. A spiritual gift is given to those who are really, really good Christians. No. A spiritual gift is given to who? Each of us. Each of us. So punch your neighbor and say, you're in each. You're in each. A spiritual gift is given so we can help each other. 
To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Now, this is not just from your experience or your education, but it's somehow the Holy Spirit knows how to solve a problem, and He speaks to you to help them. Uh, to another, the, the Holy Spirit gives a message of special knowledge, or it's a word of knowledge. It might work like this. Uh, we, we have, when, we, when we have prayer times in church, we genuinely expect miracles to happen. We expect supernatural times to come when you pray that it's not just words. Well, imagine you come for prayer and you come to say, you just tell whoever you're praying with, maybe it's a, a woman talking to another woman, and, you say, and she says, you know, I'm having terrible anger issues. I just can't keep a relationship going. I feel there's a great wall uh, between people, and I, and I just blow my cool. I need God to help me with that. And all of a sudden, this thought comes to the mind of the person in prayer. I don't mean that they've done an analysis asking questions, but they had this thought and said, were you abused as a child? And all of a sudden, this, this woman that was this picture of perfect, all of a sudden she just begins to break and weep because the Holy Spirit has pierced through layers of hurt and pain to get to the root of the problem to get her on the road to healing. That's how word of knowledge can operate. Uh, he gives to one person the ability to prophesy. We've talked about that. To another is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, or other translations say to speak in tongues. Another is given the ability to interpret what's being said through the tongue. So all of these are spiritual voices, spiritual languages, but they're ways that God wants to communicate with us. And I want to encourage you to do what the Bible says, desire these spiritual gifts. Come on, everybody say desire. It's normal Christianity. Look, uh, let's go further. Uh, the number one way the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the Bible. Come on, all the Baptists said. Amen. Everybody else said. Amen. The number one way God speaks to us through the Bible, it's just not the only way. And when I say God speaks to the Bible, listen, all you have to, the Bible is written so you can apply the rules of English. Come on. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear how a father's supposed to raise his kids, how a husband's supposed to treat his wife, how we're supposed to operate ethically. I mean, the Bible has a very clear level to it. But the Holy Spirit on times and occasions can also take parts of the Bible, and it's almost like shining a flashlight on it to speak to situations in your life. I mean, understand what I'm talking about. You had something happen where it's like a passage of Scripture just came alive. Well, here's one. Uh, that happened to me, 2 Samuel chapter 18, uh, when Linnell was uh, first diagnosed with cancer, uh, the first 10 days were the most tumultuous days of my life. Uh, we didn't know what to do, and I guarantee you, sleepless nights, crying tears, looking for a hand in the middle of the night, no peace. No, it just was not there. But I was reading through 2 Samuel 18, and it had nothing to do with healing. It had nothing to do with what we were going through, but God spoke to me. See, the context here is David's son Absalom had risen up and tried to take the kingdom from him. So there's a warfare, a battle going on between David's men and Absalom. And after the battle, David stayed, he stayed in Jerusalem, and, and a runner is coming back with the news. And, and notice what this said that morning. I'm just reading my Bible at the, at the kitchen table. The watchman said, it seems to me, that is the watchman on the wall, he says the first, there's two runners, the first one is running like Ahimaaz. Well, he's a good man, the king said. He comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, say it with me, all is well, all is well. And he went on to say, the Lord your God has delivered up those who lifted their hands against my Lord the king. Well, guess what happened? It's like I'm in a dark place and it's like a flashlight was turned on, all is well. And it, and, and it didn't mean her disease went away, she still went through the process, but in the middle of it, now I had an anchor to hold on to. Now I knew where we were going. Now I knew that God was involved. Now I knew that things were going to be okay. And it gave me an ability to go forwards in life because God had spoken to me through the Bible. Come on. But how many know that's why we tell you all the time, read your Bible. 
Because if you read your Bible, you'll walk with God. All these things I'm telling you will be accentuated if you'll just spend some time with God each day, reading your Bible, praying, worshiping the Lord, drawing near to Him, then you'll be able to hear His voice. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. Let me give you another one. 1 Kings chapter 19. This is a, a little on the subjective side. Uh, I'll use the word feelings, impression side. But the biblical terms we'll use, or at least that we use as Christians, is the peace of God. Scripture talks about the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We talk about an inner witness of the Holy Spirit, or you may say the Lord told me or spoke to me. Well, here's where this comes from. 1 Kings chapter 19. The background here, Elijah the great prophet had just seen one of the greatest miracles of all times. Fire fell on, Mount, on the mountain and, and the pagan prophets were destroyed. The nation was turned around. Only problem is he was scared to death by the king's wife Jezebel. So he runs away and he's hiding in a cave. Now I want you to listen to the picture. The Lord passes by the cave and there's a great strong wind that tore into the mountains. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake that shook the mountain, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. In other words, all these are pictures of the, of, of, of the loud, of the, of the movement, of the exciting, of the, of the big thing that we think that, that should surround when God speaks and manifests. But notice what it says. After the fire, a small voice. The New International Version says a gentle whisper. The New American Standard says a gentle blowing. So it was when Elijah heard it. So somehow there was a communication, most likely not to his ear out here, but in here, this gentle whisper. He heard it. He knew it was the voice of God. He comes out of the cave. And then there's another voice that says, what are you doing there, Elijah? You know, this is what I would say most, most prominently or most, uh, the most usual way that God speaks to us is in this dear small voice where we're searching to find the Lord's direction just, if I can say, in here. And somehow our experience, what we've written on paper, the advice of other people, and they all meet in here, in our mind, in our heart, wherever you want to call it. It's, it's somewhat subjective. It is subjective. But somewhere in the midst of that, the voice of the Lord comes. And this is where I try to hear the Lord. When I, uh, every message that I bring to you, uh, I, don't, I don't find it by looking on sermon.com. I hope it ministers to you, but if it does, the reason is because I spend my time walking in front of these altars, talking to God and saying, Lord, what do you want to talk to your people about? Now, I might hear something in our prayer time this morning. Our elders and pastors pray before church, and somebody said something about deception, and I thought, that may be something I'll add next week, and I'll write it down. So I'm listening, and it just kind of, if I can say, goes off inside. But it's different than just a creative idea that you would have as a creative person. Uh, we have been working for several years knowing we need to expand our facility, but not just really knowing when and how to do it. And I was talking to a friend of mine in Haiti, Pastor Jay, Jay Threadgill in Haiti, and uh, I just told him about what we're doing, and, and he said, well, you know, you can just start raising the money and trust the Lord to show you what to do after that. And it was just like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, that's it. You just start. And that was the, whatever you want to call it, that oomph in my spirit, where I heard what somebody said, not telling me what to do, but God using them, come on, to direct my life. So this is a way that God speaks to us. And let me give you one more. Uh, confirmation from godly counsel or your spiritual covering. Now, how many know just as a parent speaks to their children, uh, don't run out in the street, 
uh, you know, don't pick up a snake, <laughs> step on the spider. Uh, just as a parent speaks to their kids to protect them from hidden danger, God has also placed spiritual leaders in our lives, elders, pastors, uh, godly people, role models in our lives to, as the Scripture says, watch over our soul. Now, let me give you a picture here because this confirmation is huge. I would never make a big decision in my life without talking to people that are pastors or elders to me. I have about five or six guys that whenever it's time for something big, I talk to them. Whenever I'm having a big struggle in my life and I can't get over something, I pull them aside and I talk to them. Everybody needs people in life like that. Let me give you this last picture, Acts 15. Acts 15, the church had, that began in Jerusalem was growing like wildfire. It was, it was spreading through the Mediterranean world. Now we've got two huge churches, so to speak, and they're almost split apart over the issue of how, Jew, how Jewish should Gentile churches be? How much of the Old Testament should these Gentile believers obey? Well, Paul came down with the question of circumcision and talking to the apostles and prophets, uh, the leaders, the elders in Jerusalem. And after they talked about the problem, after they shared Scripture verses, you could read the 15th chapter, here's what they said, and it's very concise. And I want you to say this with me. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. us. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Not that we are on the same level or giving permission or anything like that, but rather we believe that we've heard the mind of the Lord and we've heard it together as we've looked in the Bible, looked at what God has been doing. And what we're going to tell you, listen, is there's just four or five things that you tell those Gentiles not to do so they don't offend the rest of the Jewish believers. And lo and behold, the church doesn't skip a beat. It just keeps on going because there's spiritual covering and counsel. Can I tell you this, friends? Everybody needs a safeguard to avoid deception. When Jesus talked about the last days, what was the first thing that Jesus said? Matthew 24, when they said, what's the sign of your coming? When's this going to happen? Jesus said, don't be deceived. So there's a great uh, potential for deception here. I've even had people say, well, I'm not going to talk to the pastor because I know what he'll say. Okay. Okay. I, I don't have papal authority. You know, I don't, I'm not, I don't know everything. And I don't want to run your life. But on the other hand, if you bring a, a, a real genuine decision, should we get married? I mean, that's a big decision. In my opinion, from my experience in life, that you should talk to the preacher not when the ring's on your finger and say, oh, I'm getting married next Friday. Will you do the ceremony? <laughs> but, but before you get that far along and say, we believe that the Lord may be leading us in this direction. And they're not coming for permission. Look, you live your own life. I can barely take care of mine. I'm not going to run your life. <laughs> But, but what you're doing is when you submit to an elder or, or some spiritual leader, in essence, you're submitting to God, and you're giving God an opportunity to lead you in the right pathway. So it helps you avoid deceptions because, listen, when feelings and emotions get involved, come on, it's hard to know what's the voice of the Lord and what's my own spirit talking to me. And uh, anyway, let me close with this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'll close with this question, and then we'll pray. How do you know if this voice is the Holy Spirit or not your own mind or worse yet demonic? How do you know? How do you know? Are you supposed to just glibly, anytime somebody says, the Lord told me, are you just supposed to go off and do that? I don't think so. Because uh, listen to what the Scripture says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul said these words, don't quench the Spirit. And when he says don't quench the Spirit, here's something that's possible. And I want you to imagine if we're outside and we've, we've got a campfire and uh, it's dry outside and we probably shouldn't have made the fire because there's burn bands and, you know, things could burn up. How many know what we want to do before we go to bed at night is we want to pour water on that fire to quench it, to put it out. And do you know you can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit? You can say, I don't want anything to do with that Spirit stuff. 
I don't want anything to do with those spiritual gifts because I've been hurt in the past, because I've seen weirdness, because I've been manipulated. So I'm just going to shut that area of my life off. Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. And then he specifically says, don't, uh, don't despise uh, prophecies. In other words, don't say, I don't want anything to do that. Uh, listen, Paul said we're to desire these things, but what he said was to, say it with me, test everything. Say it again. Test everything or prove it and then do what? Hold fast to what is good. So if he said hold fast to what is good, doesn't that imply that some of it may not be good? How many like watermelon? Let me see your hand here. If you cut that, listen, pretty soon they're going to start tasting sweet. You get this big old striped melon about this long, and you thump it, and it sounds just right, and it's yellow on the belly. And, I mean, you cut it, and when you start to cut it, it starts going pow, 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 pow. You know you're headed in the right direction. Come on. Whether you use a spoon. How many use a spoon in the watermelon? Let me see your hand, spoon eaters. Forks. How many forks? Fingers. Let me see fingers. All right. Okay. Watermelon, baby. And you cut that big watermelon open. You don't say, oh, no, it's got seeds. Throw it away. I've never tasted a seedless watermelon that tastes as good as a watermelon with seeds the way God made it. But just because there's seeds doesn't mean you throw the watermelon away. What do you do? You prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. You eat the watermelons and you spit the seeds at somebody. That's exactly what the Bible is telling you to do is, 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 is there's good and there's bad, but it's worth it to go after the good. Because as we've seen throughout the pages of the Bible, listen, God is a God that wants to speak to us. Let me tell you some questions I would ask in terms of how to prove all things. Number one, I would say, does it line up with the Bible? And if it doesn't, I'd throw it away. For example, let's say, let's say there's trouble in your marriage, and uh, one spouse really, really wants to make it work out, and you're both professing Christians. And I mean, they, they're willing to go to counsel and help and everything, and somebody comes up to you and said, look, I prayed for you, and the Lord told me that he wants you to be happy so you can leave him. I don't think that's a biblical now look, if that person is living in the world, come on, if they've walked away from Christ as an unbeliever, that's another thing. So first of all, what does the Bible have to say about it? Number two, the big one, what do godly leaders say about it? And listen, you don't need godly counsel for whether you should shop at Walmart or Sam's or, you know, you know whatever. But, but you do need godly counsel, in my opinion, when you're going to make a big move in your life. I'm changing jobs. I'm changing careers. I'm about to marry. I'm moving. Uh, I'm changing churches. I'm whatever. I'm going into ministry. Uh, a third one is that do you have peace? I would never make a decision with peace no matter if I didn't have peace, no matter how good it sounded. No matter what people were saying, no matter how good the circumstances look, if I don't have a sense of God's peace on the inside, I'm not going forwards till I do. And the last thing is does it glorify God? And if it meets those criteria, if it glorifies God, if you have peace about it, if it just, if it, if it, if it, the godly counsel is for it, uh, if the scriptures line up with it, boy, I'd go for it. I, I wouldn't be hesitant. I would just go until God says stop instead of waiting until God says go. Because it just may be that the Lord is moving in you just like he was moving in Philip and big things could be ahead. Come on, give him a big hand today. I'm, I'm done this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing one last song and pray and go home. Welcome, Lord. Don't turn off just yet. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us about what we've heard. Of the sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free When my shame is undone Thank you, Lord. In your presence Holy Spirit, you welcome me. And Holy 
before you as your, your sheep, as your children. You told us, Jesus, that your sheep would hear your voice and they follow you. And I believe it's the prayer today of every person in this room that we want to hear the voice of God. Well, we ask you to, we don't want the mystical, the weird, the, the crazy, but we want the reality of the Holy Spirit. Would you just pray that right now and just say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me through the pages of the Bible? Would you speak to me, Lord, like you did there, you promised in the last days through prophecy? Would you speak to me, Lord, through through dreams, spiritual dreams, speak to me in visions. Lord, would you speak to me through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that I could hear a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom for another person, that I might be able to speak in a heavenly language and pray to you and, or, or, or have the ability to interpret that language. Lord, would you, would you speak to me as I open the pages of the Bible? Speak to me, Lord, through the counsel of godly people. Holy Spirit, would you let me hear your voice and in my inner man with that peace? Because, Lord, we simply want to be like Philip. We want to be serving you. And we want the Holy Spirit to be showing us what to do. So we welcome you today. In Jesus' name. Hey, I want to close in prayer, as we always do, to give personal time for prayer. I think one of the most important parts of any service is a time for, for us to have an opportunity for another human being, another believer, to put their faith out there with us for what we need God to help us to do. And maybe you're here today, maybe you've got some real needs, some problems, some struggles, and you need God to help you. Can I tell you, friend, don't leave this place without it. This could be the place where peace comes. This could be the place where a prayer could be prayed that God might speak to you and give you some direction and help. If you've got needs in your life or someone you love and care about, let us pray. Maybe something in this message spoke to you. Maybe I just stirred something up. Or the Lord stirred something up. Maybe you've kind of walked away from this spirit-filled life. Or, or maybe, you know, you're not really, don't understand it that much. And you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever it may be. But if something really touched you in this message, a great way to seal it is in the place of prayer. But the most important call that I would make in this place of prayer, it, it goes back to the video we heard of the Muslim. You remember you had a guy that was trying to live his life and he was religious, but it didn't have any meaning. It wasn't real. But something happened when God reached out to him. Now, he said he heard this voice. I doubt it was these ears. I think it was probably in his heart, the way he felt. Maybe you're feeling the same thing today. Maybe you're feeling Jesus Christ drawing you to himself. Maybe you're feeling God calling you to be a Christian, to surrender your life, to follow Christ. Maybe you need God's forgiveness. You see, you don't become a Christian by going to church. You become a Christian by receiving Christ as your Savior. And that's the starting place. Maybe you walked with God at one time, and you just feel the Lord today to draw you back. We'd be honored to pray with you. So whatever it may be, we're going to sing one more song. Guys, why don't you begin to sing? And our prayer team is going to come around the front right now, and uh, they'll be happy to pray with you. And after this song, you'll be free to be dismissed. So come on, prayer team, is they're coming? If you even think you need prayer, come on down, let us pray for you. We'd be honored to just believe God with you for God's miracle in your life. God bless you. Love you.